Good morning, church. They can now hear me at home as well. Well, it's good to see you all. And uh, for those of you watching by home, um, we have restarted our in-person services. We will continue our online services. And I actually think it's a little bit exciting because because we've not met for a while and because we're starting, starting off smaller than we left off, it, it kind of feels, I think this feels like a new church launch. That's what I think. You know, you, when, when people go to a place and the volunteers are there and they set everything up and then they're wondering if anyone will show up to the new church launch and then a few people come and then the next week a few more people come. I think that's the kind of atmosphere we're going to have, and I think that's actually going to be quite exciting because it is a new launch, or rather a relaunch, and it gives us an opportunity to lay aside everything that may have been a hindrance or a distraction in our lives and in our church and relaunch and start afresh. And I've called today's message Out of the Cocoon out of the cocoon, because, you know, it probably feels like we've been living in a little bit of a cocoon for a while. You know, when you think about it, there's a caterpillar crawling along the grass, just getting on with his life, and, um, you know, he, th there's only certain things he can do. There's also only certain things he's interested in. In fact, there's probably only one thing he's interested in, eating, eating, eating. That's what caterpillars do, right? But then one day, that caterpillar goes into social isolation. It goes into its cocoon, and it's in there for a while. Wouldn't it be a complete tragedy if when that caterpillar hatched out of its cocoon, it was no different than it went in in the first place. In fact, what if it came out even uglier and wrinklier than it actually went in? That wouldn't be good. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be a good outcome. That's not what the outcome is. We know that when a caterpillar goes into its cocoon, when it goes into social isolation, that what is happening deep inside it is a transformation, a metamorphosis, a renewal takes place. And when the caterpillar comes out of its cocoon, it is prettier than it was when it went in. Not only that, it can now do things that it couldn't do before. It could only crawl before. It can crawl and it can fly now. Also, there's a lot of things that caterpillars are interested in doing that they have now lost all interest in when they become butterflies. They have discovered something new. They have discovered that their life, their life was not only restricted when it was inside the cocoon, their life had been restricted all that time before they went into the cocoon. They were restricted to an earth-bound existence. But after coming out of the cocoon, 
It's free. It's liberated. It can fly. It can soar in the air. It, can re it realizes that that period of being in a cocoon, of being in social isolation, changed the caterpillar so that it didn't just get back to what it was before, it was a new, an improved, an upgraded version of itself. Now, not everything that goes into a cocoon comes out prettier. I remember when I was a kid, um, me and my friend, my friend says to me, do you want to go fishing? And I said, okay. We went into his garden hut to get all the fishing equipment out. And he had a tub, you know, like one of these tubs with the little holes in it, a tub full of maggots that we had used a few weeks previously for fishing. And we went in and he said, I wonder if all those maggots will still be alive or if they'll be, they might have been dead by now, you know? And so he went to pick it up and he said, it's vibrating. So he had to open it to see why it was vibrating. Like, a plague of flies came out of that thing, filled the hut that we were in. Me and my friend went running out. I mean, like the noise was horrible. The buzzing was horrible. They looked horrible. It was just horrible. You just wanted to get away from them. Some things come out of their cocoon. A prettier, an improved, an upgraded version of themselves and some things come out of their cocoon and you just want to swat them. And I think people are just like that. <laughs> I have noticed that our period of social isolation has made some people better and some people worse. <laughs> some people are coming out like beautiful butterflies with gratitude for the freedom they now have. And other people are like, it's like the Lord of the Flies has taken over in some people's lives. And so I want to encourage us all that we want to come out of our cocoons. We want to reemerge into this world a lighter, brighter, happier, more grateful uh, person filled with the Spirit, with the wind of the Lord in our wings, being able to do something new and something better. I want to show you something. I've got a little um, prop here. Let me just get it for you. I wonder how many of you have one of these. If you don't know what this is, this is a weighted blanket, right? It's a weighted blanket. I mean, it's heavy. Do you see all the little patches in it? Everyone is filled with little steel ball bearing balls and they're stitched in there so they don't all roll down to the one corner you know so this is heavy now i i love this thing but i'm the only person in my family that likes it everybody else hates it so i'm going to tell you how how this was invented this was invented because um it first of all it was invented for dogs because you know how some dogs have a lot of anxiety and their owners go out and things like that and they shake and all of that kind of thing. Now, my dog is half chihuahua, so he does all that for the eyes, and the, <laughs> right? Some dogs are really bad with anxiety. 
And what vets discovered was if they made a little weighted jacket with Velcro on it, and you put it around the dog tight, as tight as you can and fasten it, the dog feels like it's being comforted and hugged, and all its anxiety goes away. So then when they realized that, they thought, hmm, lots of children with special needs issues also suffer from anxiety. I wonder if the same thing would apply to them. And they found out that it did. It helped so many kids. And then they thought, well, if it works for dogs and it works for kids, why wouldn't it work for adults? So they invented these originally for people with anxiety. And then they found out that actually, even if you don't have anxiety, it's luxurious, <laughs> right? And this comes from the idea of, you know, a little baby, we wrap a baby up in swaddling cloths, you know? I mean, like, you know when a baby is really agitated and crying and so on, if you can just wrap it up tight in a cocoon, all of a sudden it's blissful again. But try wrapping an adult up like that, you know? They, they will resist it, but the baby loves it. So what I like doing sometimes, now the rest of my family don't like it because they think it makes them feel claustrophobic. I don't know what's wrong with them because this thing is just wonderful. What I do is, I listen, when I need a little nap or a little rest, I put my earbuds in and I listen to one of those audios, you know, the sound of the waves crashing on the shore. I used to always listen to the sound of rain falling, but the older I get, I have to get up halfway through the little nap to go to the bathroom. So I, but the waves crashing seem to be good. I, I listen to that and I put this big heavy thing on me like a mummy. Oh, that is just wonderful. <laughs> and I go, back to, I go back to my childhood as if I'm a little baby wrapped up in cloths. And, and the idea of that is that you have a rejuvenating nap where in your subconscious mind, it feels again like you are a little baby. And you have this rejuvenating nap and you come out of the cocoon feeling wonderful. And you know, folks, that's what God's plan for us is as we come out of our cocoons, as we come out of our social isolation. God wants us to come out like butterflies. Don't go back to being that ugly, wrinkly old caterpillar that was always stuck to the ground and criticized all the other. I don't like all the people that fly. They could be birds, they could eat me. I don't, don't be like that. Break out of your cocoon and say, oh man, I am beautiful. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm made in the image and likeness of my Father God. And He's put His Spirit within me. And my life is going to soar to new heights that I have never even imagined before because I'm coming out of my cocoon. Can you say amen to that, church? So being locked away is a bit like being in a cocoon. Or another illustration we could say, it's a bit like being in a cave. So being in a cocoon or being in a cave, I mean, you think of a bear that goes into its cave to hibernate and to socially isolate for a period of time. 
And everybody knows you don't disturb the bear that's socially isolating at this time. You leave it alone. And then when it comes out, the first thing it wants to do is eat. And I think that as believers in Jesus Christ, the first thing we should want to do is feast spiritually and feed on everything, all the promises of God and all the new opportunities that God is bringing our way. And make sure that we don't become negative, that we don't become like the buzzing flies or the cranky bear that's coming out of our cave or our cocoon. Let's make sure that we're coming out as new people, as transformed people. You see, this idea of coming out of a cave, it reminds me of a story in the Bible, the story of Elijah. And here's what happened with Elijah. Elijah was trying to serve God in the northern kingdom of Israel. But the government at the time were, were a very oppressive government. They were, they were attacking, killing the prophets, attacking people and so on. And Elijah had just had a big confrontation with them. But now Queen Jezebel was after him. So Elijah went and hid in a cave. He sat in a cave, he socially isolated himself from everyone in that cave, and he got gloomier and crankier the longer he was in there. Instead of becoming a butterfly, he was becoming a, a buzzing fly. And so he's in this cave becoming crankier and more depressed. And here's, here's what the Bible says. Let's have a look at it. It says this, Elijah came to a cave where he spent the night. In other words, this was a season of darkness. This was a dark time in Elijah's life. And during this dark time, he's in the cave. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you and torn down your altars and burned down the Wendy's in the corner and killed every one of your prophets. And I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me also. So he is perturbed. He is unhappy. He's not at peace inside because he is really bothered by everything that is wrong in society. Have you noticed that? How we are so comfortable pointing out everything that's wrong in society and never actually look at everything that's wrong in our own lives. And so Jesus said, stop trying to take the speck out of other people's eye Take the beam out of your own eye. So this is the situation with Elijah. He's in a negative place. He's in a dark place. Not only literally, but emotionally, he's in a dark place. And he's complaining about how everyone's against him and all that stuff. And let's read on. Here's what it says next. It says, a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. And it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. 
After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Do you know that so often we are distracted from what God is doing and what God is saying by whatever makes the loudest noise, whatever's the biggest drama, whatever has the most crisis attached to it. We all say, oh, we must all, we must drop everything we're doing and, and give our attention to that. And very often, God is not even in those things. Sometimes we think that God is always the big dramatic God, but very often He's not in the big dramatic things at all. I mean, I don't know how many social media posts and blog articles I've seen where Christians are saying things like, what is God saying through this virus? Nothing, because God doesn't speak through viruses. God speaks through His Word and through His Spirit. But yet we're drawn to all this, you know. Could these riots be a word from the Lord to the church, you know? So, anything that is a distraction or anything that is a commotion, we could say, we could say this, a wind blew from Wuhan carrying particles in it, but the Lord was not in the wind. A political earth tremor took place and was on the news every night but the Lord was not in the wind. A fire broke out at Wendy's and it burned to the ground, but the Lord was not in the fire. Very often we're distracted by things in the outside world when God wants to deal with us deep in here. Where was the Lord? Look, and after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper a still, small voice. Sometimes we have to get into social isolation to get things quiet enough where we can actually hear what the Spirit of God is saying into our lives. Let's read on and see what the, it says next. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped himself, he wrapped his face in his cloak when Elijah heard it, he put his face mask on. Do you see that? He wrapped his face in his cloak. His cloak wasn't as heavy as this one. I mean, like, this is heavy, I'll tell you. So he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood in the entrance to the cave. This guy was wrapped in a cloak and in a cave. And then it says here, then the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be king of Aram and anoint Jehu to be king of Israel and anoint Elisha to replace you as my prophet. For I have 7,000 people who are still serving me. Here's what God is saying to him. And here's what he's saying to us. You need to focus in what God is doing in your life and not worry about what he's doing in the world because if you look at social media if you switch on the news if if you talk to people you might think you're the only one left you might think that god's not doing much in the world but god has thousands tens of thousands millions billions 
of people on this planet who name the name of Jesus Christ. And God is at work in their life, whether you know it or not. But what you need to concentrate on is what God is doing in your life. God is saying, I've got thousands of, listen, I'm looking after my people. You don't have to worry about it. You know, God is saying something like this. I actually coped with the world long before you came along, and I will still cope with it long after you're gone. So let me deal with the world, but I want you to deal with me in your heart. Because once your heart has been changed, then you will touch and change the lives of other people like Elijah did. So I want to just mention this fact. Let's just put this image up. I've got a little image, first of all. You know the image of the the caterpillar going into its cocoon and being in there for a while, gradually coming out of its cocoon, drying its wings, and then being free. I mean, this is is an image that is, is used in the Bible. Let's think, first of all, I want to talk about Jesus. We talked about Elijah being in a cave there. Jesus was in a cave probably a couple of times. You know, when Jesus was born, um, the Bible just tells us they laid him in a manger for there was no room in the inn, in the guest house. And so, you know, where was the manger? Was the manger in a stable? Was the stable a wooden hut? You know, but according to history, the stables in Bethlehem at the time of Jesus were in the local caves. And if you look at all the ancient, the oldest paintings of of the birth of Jesus, he's in a cave with Mary and Joseph. And the wise men are coming to the, uh, or the shepherds are coming to this cave. And so um, here was Jesus probably born in a cave. And what does the Bible say they did with him? They wrapped him in swaddling cloth. Now, I think this is interesting because that was when he was, that was when he came into this world. But what about when he was leaving this world? Remember what they did? They took a big shroud of cloth, and he was wrapped. They wrapped the body of, I mean, I know what we do is we take a dead body and put it in an old suit of clothes that it used to wear. But in the old days and in many cultures, they wrap you up like you're a baby again. Wrap you up in bandages, wrap you up in cloth, and then lay your body in a cave. But, you know, Jesus didn't stay in his cave, and he didn't stay in the cocoon either. The Bible says that not only did he rise from the dead, but there's a really interesting verse where it says in John's gospel that when they saw the grave clothes lying together in one piece, he saw and believed. It was almost like Jesus' body passed through the cloth and had left it there like a cocoon. He left his grave clothes behind and he came out of his cave and he emerged into the world once again. Church, I'm encouraging every one of us Now that we are coming out of our caves, now that we are coming out of our cocoons, can we leave our grave clothes behind? See all the stuff that has been in our lives that we know shouldn't be there? 
We know that it's death. We know that it's sin. We know that it's negative. We know that it's destructive, dysfunctional, unhealthy. That's our grave clothes. Can we leave our grave? Can we take this wonderful opportunity God has given us? to leave our grave clothes behind, come out of our houses, get back to work, get back to church, get back to society as new and transformed people without all of the stench of death still on us from our past. Look, I want to just, I want to share this with you. If you, if you have never put your faith in Christ, then you might be saying, I don't understand what all this is about. I don't understand how, what, I just decide that, that I'm putting my great, no. You're going to invite God to do something powerful in your life. Whether you're here in this room or whether you're watching online right now, first of all, I want to speak to those who have never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. When you do that, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, Something happens to you, a metamorphosis takes place, like a caterpillar changing into a butterfly. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians. The Bible says this, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A brand new life has begun. So the best way to come out of your cocoon, come out of your cave, and leave your grave clothes behind is to put your faith in Jesus Christ because that metamorphosizes us, that transforms us, that changes us into a new person with a brand new life ahead of us. And so at the end, in a few minutes, we're going to pray a prayer and if you have never given your life to Christ, that will be the opportunity to do that. And you can become a brand new person, like it says here. But maybe you're saying, well, I'm a Christian, and I'm a believer, and I did become a new person, but I've become a bit like Elijah. I think I've got a bit cynical, a bit cranky, a bit filled with doubts. I'm going about with a big heavy weight upon me. I'm going about cocooned and covered with the world's problem, but I've already accepted Christ. I've been born again. How can I be made new again? Well, you can, because when you come to Christ, your spiritual nature, the deepest part of you is reborn as a new person, but we've still got the same old negative memories that we had and thoughts in our heads and, and um, patterns of thinking and attitudes. But that can be changed too. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 12. It says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you a metamorphosis. Let him transform you um, into a new person. It's the same phrase, a new person. By changing the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. 
We can be changed spiritually. We can be changed mentally and emotionally. We can lay aside everything that's hindering us, holding us back, weighing us down, and keeping us in the dark. And so here's, here are the two things I want to close with. Because we are now coming out of our caves. We are now in a season when we are coming out of our caves. And this season is the perfect opportunity for you to change your life for the better. So what caves and cocoons have you been in? Here are the two things I want to close with. And I have two verses of scripture for each one. The first one is this. Come out from darkness into light. You know, a, a caterpillar goes into its cocoon and it's totally shut out from the light. You know, the bear goes into its cave and, it, and it's to hibernate and it's shut out from the light. Um, a baby in the womb which hasn't been born yet is shut out from the light. A dead person wrapped in cloths in a cave is shut out from the light. But when that baby is born, it comes into the light. When that caterpillar becomes a butterfly, it comes into the light. When that person is resurrected to new life, they come out and into the light. Everybody say this with me. Let's say it. Come out from darkness into light. And here's what the Bible says in 1 Peter. It says this. But you are not like those who reject the truth. For you are God's chosen people. You are, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. That's what Peter said. Here's what Jesus said to the Apostle Paul when he appeared to him um, uh, uh, in Acts chapter 20, it tells us there, 26, it tells us. It says this, Paul is sharing his testimony and he said, this is what Jesus said to him. I am sending you to the people of the world to open their eyes so that they might turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Come out of that darkness. Come out of sin. Come out of cynicism and doubt and come into the light of God's presence and become part of the people of God. That's the first thing. Come out of darkness and into light. My second point was this, come out of a broken world into God's new world, the kingdom of God. I think a lot of Christians and maybe even a lot of pastors have kind of lost their way here because although God wants us as believers to be agents of transformation in the world, the truth is God never, our commission was never go and try and fix a broken world. That was never the calling that God gave us. That what Jesus said was, a new world is emerging amongst us. It's the kingdom of God. It's a new community. It's the community of the king. It's the people of the Lord. It's the church. And we are to model a new community 
queer, it doesn't matter what your ethnic background or the color of your skin is. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ with one Father. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or what your past was like, whether you were a good person or a bad person. We're all washed clean by the blood of Jesus and given a fresh start. And in this new community, we are to begin to emulate the kingdom of God. And somehow or other, some people seem to think that what we're supposed to be doing is leaving this new community and and trying to put band-aids on the issues of a broken world. But what we're called... That world stinks. Come out of there into this new world. It's one. Why are you swimming in a septic tank when we have a beautiful, clear swimming pool here? Come out of that broken world and wash yourself in the living waters. Let's look at what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians says this. What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? What union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, let's read on. Next. I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore... What are you doing in your churches when you should be trying to stick band-aids on a broken world? Is that what it says? Hashtags are the answer to the world's problems. Is that what it says? What does it say we have to call people to do? Come out from among the unbelievers and separate yourself from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you, and I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You know, God has a wonderful plan for this world, but you know what it is? It's with God's plan is to replace the broken systems of this world with the beautiful, peaceful kingdom of God. And very often, the broken world system is referred to in the Bible as Babylon, like the nation of Babylon. And here's what it says in Revelation. It says this, Babylon, the world system, is fallen. That great city is fallen. She has become a home for demons, for all the nations have fallen. Then I heard another voice calling from heaven, come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins or share in her punishment, for her sins are piled as high as heaven, and God remembers her evil deeds. Wouldn't this season be a good opportunity for us to have a kingdom reset in our life? And to just to remind ourselves that what the main thing is, what the important things are, what God is doing in our lives and and through our lives and in our church and through our church and in the world, but it all comes with a full commitment, consecration of our life to Jesus Christ. So for everybody here and for everyone watching at home, we're going to pray now. And we're going to pray a prayer of full commitment and consecration of our lives to Jesus Christ. For most of us, we will be doing that afresh. We will be making a fresh stand today. But for some people, perhaps some people in this room or some people watching online, maybe you have never made that commitment of your life to Christ. Or maybe you're not totally sure whether you have or not. Well, you can join in with us and for you it will be 
the first time. You will be becoming a brand new person as you give your life to Christ. And if you already belong to Christ, we are asking him to change the way we think and make the brand new person that we really are inside begin to shine out on the outside. Let's stand together as we put this prayer up on the screen. We're going to say this prayer together, asking God to move in our lives and giving our lives afresh to him. I will stand to the side so you can all see. And let's say this together. Are we ready, church? Let's go. One, two, three. Lord God, please forgive me for all the things I have done wrong. I turn to you and turn away from sin. Jesus, please be the center of my life. I welcome you personally as Lord and Savior of my life. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill me and empower me to live as a child of God. Thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen, church.